Good evening, Patriots, and it's the end of Friday, March 31st in the year 2023. And it has been an interesting week. We've gone through a lot of the normal craziness. Tonight we've got tornadoes ripping through places in the Midwest. We have fires in Oklahoma. It's pretty wild. A lot of prayers we need to keep up for a lot of people. And we've had some heavy news with the loss of small ones and little ones and a lot of different things. This is a, a world right now that is just literally upside down. And we really need to keep our prayers focused on a greater place of where we need to be and where we really need to keep ourselves because it's uh, it's easy to slip into the pits and the trials of things and forget the greater purpose of life. And part of that is also just us, as I've talked so much, it's been on my heart to talk about, just us being in unity with one another. Let's just do a quick promo here for one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to this. Make sure you have a good house plan, you're taking care of yourself, and equally teaching good safety, good gun safety. If there was ever a story that best encapsulated how bad crime has become, it's the one about Starbucks providing baristas with active shooter training because our cities aren't safe anymore. And while the Supreme Court has made it easier for you to conceal carry for protection, it's your responsibility to be properly trained. That's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including .223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. This is the smartest investment in your ability to safely and effectively handle your firearm. Plus, it will pay for itself in one day. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you want to have. Indeed, it's a good little piece of kit to have. I came across an article, and I don't usually read full articles, but I'm going to read this one tonight. It's very interesting, especially where it arrives. And this is an article that was published today in Zero Hedge. It came from authored, it was, the author is by uh, Vincent McAfee, McCaffrey, and it came from amgreatness.com. It was published this afternoon at 1 p.m. here on Zero Hedge. So let me read this because it has a very, very interesting perspective. It's called No Going Back. The old normal isn't coming back without some new thinking about what structure will reinvigorate our old principles. Like most polls, Gallup polls are usually paid advertisements for whomever commissions them and therefore deserving of as little attention. However, the infatigable Cheryl Atkinson recently reported on the results of one such survey, and that did draw my attention. Evidently, 47% of Americans say life will never go back to pre-pandemic normal. I was somewhat stunned. How could 53% be thinking we could go back? This led me to darker thoughts on the collateral damage of our recent foolishness. At least 53% of Americans will be woefully unprepared for what is coming. Due to their own unwillingness to bear witness to the reality around them, much less recognize the consequence the unprepared will be the first to panic, and their panic will result in more bad behavior at a time when strength of character will be needed. But there is worse yet. 33% of Americans say their lives are completely back to normal. I had no idea that 33% of Americans lived in caves. 
But then my own ignorance never fails to astound me. What could be considered normal to these citizens? Even in peaceful and civilized New Hampshire, we can see the damage done. How could this be? Well, perhaps it is tied to the fact that more than half of all Americans are on some level of government welfare. From Social Security to child care assistance, and those payments have not been diminished. Nevertheless, the inflationary costs of food and fuel have dramatically risen in the last three days due to federal monetary policies as well as uh, profugates, profugates spending so that that doesn't explain everything. Anyone reasonably sentient must be aware of the problems caused by the COVID lockdown and the misdirection of tax revenues allegedly to, quote, soften that blow, but actually and cynically proffered in order to gain votes. From drug use to family decomposition to rise in crime and the disintegration of our physical infrastructure, there is a lot of visible devastation out there. In, is this poll indicating 33% of Americans are comatose? It was even more discouraging to read that 50% of the Republicans say their lives are back to normal. Granted, this may be a willful, a willful statement of their desire to return to normalcy, but it also might indicate why the Republican Party is so out of touch as to be okay with sending billions of dollars of taxpayer cash and military equipment to Ukraine while our trains are derailing, bridges and roads and are degrading, and air traffic is failing. In keeping with the old newspaper standing head, women and children hardest hit, 70% of women are likely to say things, are general, say things in general suck, while 51% say they are unsure of the future. Children were not polled, and given our poor school systems, that might be an underlying long-term cause for our overall ignorance. Conferring, confirming the previous d- doubts expressed about the veracity of the poll, only 38% of those who earn more than $90,000 per year say their lives are back to normal. The figure is composed of 50% who say they are Republicans, 33% who say they are independent, 24% who say they are Democrats. That is to say, most of those polled who are pretty well off are pessimistic, while 68% of those in an average income bracket, $36,000 to $90,000 a year, are not happy now, and almost half do not expect things to return to normal in the future. But this negative point of reference is the larger issue. What do our fellow Americans expect, and what are they likely to, to do, do about it? Remember, these are the same people who voted for the politicians who made this mess. Will they accept responsibility for their actions? Given the progressive indoctrination in public schools over two generations, bound as those institutions are to the deep state, and given the progressive harangue, from mass media and the onslaught from entertainment industry. What is the likelihood of major- that the majority of Americans today are prepared to turn against their handlers and accept an active role in their own welfare and bear witness to their past foolishness? But there is no going back. As a nation, we cannot return to some better moment out of the 1990s or 1950s. The accepted norms of those generations are lost, and no force will bring them back minus their own deficiencies. We cannot unlearn the Internet. The course that a minority of the population, my guess is less than 33%, must now chart is not unlike the path chosen by our founding fathers and their generation. Given the general lack of knowledge today about history, and the replacement of it by phony propaganda such as the 1619 Project, the objectives must be tied to current circumstances to make them clear. Highlighting graphic particularities, 
such as the rise of the multinational corporations in America with, in a, with no allegiance to, their, to our own people as they make arms and sell them to our enemies, can make a family with a son overseas more aware, tech companies that, that mine and sell our personal data and abuse our privacy make themselves obvious by their own actions, and the simple rising costs of living and doing business for a population which is otherwise occupied with the day-to-day struggle cannot be ignored. Those who have the security of ample property and income will not be on hand until their own ox is gored. The recent Dutch farmer revolt might be encouraging if not for the important fact that the Canadian truckers who similarly risked everything had their own countrymen simply turn away. People caught in an endless cycle of debt by major corporations, wage slaves, as the whole America is turned into an enormous company town, will not be interested. Their homes are mortgaged and their savings have been have already dwindled. They are afraid of retribution and losing what little they have left, even as their college loans are still outstanding. And those people, and it is a large number, who work for the bureaucratic bureaucracies, federal, state, and local, will be largely unavailable if not already organized against someone who threatens their sincures. They think they will be, be the survivors, but they haven't a clue. Democrats as a group will be mainly out of out of out to lunch, at least until the empirical evidence that they are dealing with thugs is smashed in their faces like grapefruit, a la James Cagney and, and May Clark. And then they might have a political awakening, but they are just as likely to proclaim their victimhood and look for another benefactor. Feminists will be the enemy of the good until they realize that they are used and discarded by the Marxist agenda, but not enough of them are young athletes, but not enough of them are young athletes bewildered by having to compete against men who identify as women. With politics as their new religion, most are just as likely to blame the result on men, which will be true this time to a point. Independents, non-aligned, and the non-aligned are most often pawns to their insecurities. They are looking for the best deal at any one point and will always be treated accordingly with verbal promises not worth the paper they're printed on. They bargain over principle. The long-term game is beyond their comprehension. With so little help and a task so large, The difficulties may appear insurmountable, but I would suggest that it could not have seemed any less impossible to the members of our first ad hoc Congress as they faced the most powerful nation on earth armed with an idea which had never been tried before. China, Russia, Iran, and their allies will happily take advantage of any weakness. They are doing that right now. It is up to us to still elect leaders who will meet the challenge. But the current system of government is too flawed to survive much longer. It promotes corruption and dishonesty. Every election cycle enlarges our debt and weakens our fiber. Even if we manage to elect a good government, we must then live with an inevitable swing of the pendulum as the bad guys work to undermine any progress. But any long-term objective must be be in keeping with the best principles of our founders. Those tenets are tested and true, and they are already familiar to the greatest number of citizens. In the short term, the anachronistic structure set in place 200 years ago to give those truths a chance to flourish must now be examined for termites as well as for strength and replaced from pillar to post. The structure is important only so far as it protects and furthers those principles. It is the truth that matters, not the structure. Just as my free will Baptist grandmother said when I foolishly mentioned the, mentioned the comments of some preacher at the time, 
It's the Lord I pray to, not the pastor. My thoughts return to that First Continental Congress as we go forward and continue trying to elect better people to a job now thoroughly corrupted. We should act separately to to elect a, quote, shadow government similar to that of Westminster, but in the full light of day, with the peaceful, peaceful purpose of proposing better ways and means. It must be constructed in public view and its purpose made clear. A short conversation with an average person will tell you that neither politicians nor our system are trusted. Given some time to show what might be done, with a consistent emphasis on principles and ways to make these ideas manifest, a larger public following should develop. There is no Frodo among us who might be faithfully who might faithfully handle the ring of power without succumbing to its poison. We cannot hope for a savior to make this happen, and the Lord will only help those who help themselves. It's interesting that, that last phrase, because that in prayer today was heavily on my heart, that we will be helped, those who help, the Lord will help those who help themselves. And I think this is where we get into a great deal about the giving heart And there's a point where each one of us, I believe most of us, have a desire and a willingness to help one another. But that is a place where we each have to raise up. Each of us in that place have to be able to stand up and carry our own weight. And in that process, there's an expectation that we're clear with what we can and can't do. That's part of accountability. And in our culture these days, we don't have a lot of accountability. We have a lot of expectation. We have a lot of hands out saying, give me something, provide me something, give me, give me. But in the truth of this whole thing, we've developed a deep sense of a welfare culture. And God's not a welfare agent. We pray to God too often for what do I need rather than, God, what do you want of me? And that inversion is pretty important. Unfortunately, the me part of this has been rather extraordinary in everything that we do in our life. And again, it shows up a lot in the church. God is here for us. He's here to work through us collectively as we do prayers. It's incredible and beautiful. Again, I mentioned earlier in the previous show, if you don't join on Wednesday, if you haven't joined on Wednesdays, I'm sorry, on Fridays for Bended Knee, Please do make it a point because it's really powerful what's going on there. And the testimonies are amazing. But we also have an obligation in all that we do to put ourselves before the Lord and ask the Lord what he needs of us, not just to always expect us that he will deliver to us. Our culture with 50% of the people on some form of social welfare have sadly developed a principle that there's going to be something there for them. And we forget the principle of what made this nation, which is there was no promise. We had to make everything ourselves. Our founding fathers didn't have Social Security. That came in under Roosevelt and was the answer, which was the socializing answer to the stock market crash that led ultimately, that was engineered ultimately by the elites. We've gained an amazing understanding of our history and how things have been manipulated, how wars have been used to suppress our knowledge, to separate us from our true sense of who we are. We've seen the trauma of war carry from generation to generation and in this process blind us from the truth. And then with the instrumentation of, of public schools and the ability to swing knowledge with people quietly writing books and histories based on false science. We've developed a plethora of knowledge that is just fake, misguided, and yet has become the centerpiece of public discourse. So where do we go? Because so much of what we're struggling with these days 
is what do we do? We don't have a real sense of truth. Deception is in the air. For those that keep claiming that somehow Trump is the Savior, I would only remind you of this. God does not deal with us in terms of deception. Father is a voice of truth. And though we may not understand what he says all the time or appreciate the depth of what is said, nonetheless, he does not deliver messages in deception. Everything around us, every actor, every player, every influencer that's working towards this switch in power or working for the deep state out there at these senior levels, deception is the name of the game. Codification, deception, all these little things that are put out there so that we don't really know what's going on. Trust the plan. Both sides say some version of the same thing. What is that plan? Articulate it, detail it. What does it look like? Roll it out. Could you imagine going into a business proposal? You want funding. You're going to ask for funding on a project. You have a committee waiting to hear a proposal. You walk into them. You say, here's, a, here's who I am, and this is what I would like you to do, please. I would like you to write me a check. We'll come up with a figure for today. Let's just say, I want you to write me a check for $5 million. And the committee says, okay. What's your proposal? And your response would be, trust the plan. This happens to be, that $5 million happens to be the entire budget for the committee. They're actually willing to listen to you. They're willing to potentially even invest. And you give them the words, trust the plan. And with an expectation that you're going to get it. Using that as a corollary, we've done the same thing as a public. One point or another, most of us have fallen into that small trap. Some stayed longer than others. Some are still there. But as we sober up from the flurry that was around the early days of President Trump, and we begin to put ourselves properly on the foot of, on that rock of faith and get a very clear view of what our mission is here, trusting the plan is ludicrous. What is it? Where is it leading us? What does it do for us? And with it, it leaves space for everybody to write all sorts of nonsense out there. I actually got a new post from somebody sent to me the other day. It was They didn't write it, but it was forwarded to me. A, a very good friend. And it, they were just commenting about it because it was ridiculous. And it was this. President Trump, the reason they started out like this, do you all understand now? One of these great statements that patriots like to make. Do you all understand now why President Trump promoted the vax? Because the vax that he promoted was a placebo, and all the doctors that used it were, were ended up being kicked off the internet and persecuted by the state. Boy, I tell you, there was all sorts of comments. Yay, yay, yay. And not one bit of fact. It's pure garbage. But again, people want to believe what they want to believe. We're in a very interesting time. Truth is pluralized, except when we step into that place of Scripture. And then it's really profound. So I was asked the other day, what, is, what truths do we know of our history? And my answer was honest. I really don't know anymore. I'm a history major. I have studied history most of my life. And so much has been miswritten or misreframed for the purposes of power, influence, politics, etc., and the greater dumbing down of the American body politic meaning the people, it's hard to say what the real truths are. See, in history, there's a number of formats of history. You can do the great man in history theory. The great man in history theory is a principle that there are single people that move big events in history. So if we focus on them, we understand the great movements in history over time. We have principles like Howard Zinn, which does the people's history. And that's looking at the working class level of history. Very Marxist in focus, but the principle is the working class people tell us the real nature of the history. You can go back to the British Historical Society back in the mid-1800s, where histories were seen that if we were able to focus just on local histories with the most refined detail, and we compiled all those together, we would have truly a great picture of what happens in humanity. 
you have a format of history or historical materialism framed on a principle of a Marxist theory where you can say that all relationships in humankind are built on a commodified exchange. And essentially meaning that we have to, we buy something and ex expect to get something in return. It's a quid pro quo, sell trade. And I'm not sure that's ever flawed because I think at the core of most human relations, that's true. You can do a psychological look at history, like a Freudian model and look back at history. And then you can get into all sorts of like the Frankfurt School with Abermars and Adorno and Eidegger, Lukács, all these people, the great theories. Adorno was the great one, the anti-dialectic. I love this one the best. All the things that are in place for a revolution according to what our theories are. And yet, <laughs> here's the punchline, there's no revolution. Why? Because it's people. In spite of all these things, though, and how we look at history and all these different ways that we can cut and dice history, what we really know the most right now among everything else is that we really don't know who we are. And yet, it's been given to us. And we just don't like to look at it that much. Our, our principal way of being is never more complicated than a few simple things. Love thy neighbor. Jesus told us that that was a principal issue of how we had to live. We were told in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. When I, These are such fundamental principles of how we live. I always ask myself, why are these not on the walls of every church? Why are they not the tenets of what we're told from, from youth to tell us Luke 10, 19? Right from the beginning, we should have that memorized as, long, as young as we are as young as we can remember, because it's the authorities that we've been given. These were given to us, and it goes more than that, because then we get into John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So full stop there for a minute, because that means healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, walking, highlight this one, Walking with the devil and having the strength to rebuke him, all of those things Christ did. And it's said there, we will do, we have that if we believe in him. And then it goes on, and greater works than he, these he will do because I am going to the Father. What does that mean? I don't know, but it excites me every time I read it. I'm like, Lord, open up my heart and show me the way because whatever that is, that's got to be fantastic on this earth and it has to bring an incredible impact for kingdom here. And there it is. What are we doing here? We're living for kingdom, not politics. We're living in a society that has rejected everything except in themselves and the dollar. But I do know one thing and one fundamental truth that I can prove in this day and this time. And I can prove it by looking back at 2016 and looking to where we are today. And there has been one progressive arc in everything we do. And that arc is that the farther we have gone down into lands of darkness, those that are trying to reestablish their strength in nation have increasingly put their eyes on Jesus. And as a mass of people that have started at a point and have turned towards Christ and praying into God, something else has happened, a fundamental truth. Because we keep asking ourselves, what happens out here in the world? What's happened to it? I'm telling you right now what's happened to it. We put our eyes on Christ and the world that we were part of is losing its flipping mind. Why? Because it can no longer control us. We've given our allegiance back to Father. We're walking with the trust in Father. And as we do this, this beast loses, it loses its mind. Every demon in town is out here to try to get you going crazy, trying to provoke you to violence, trying to capture, and is successfully, I would argue, capturing every person out there that doesn't have its armor up. And yet we keep walking farther into kingdom. And the more that we do and we look back, 
This is the part I can't answer in this. Is that how crazy our world always has been? Or are we bringing bringing it out by stepping away from its control on us and stepping deeper into kingdom? And therefore, it's trying to draw us back with the most outlandish things in the world. I don't know, but either one works. The fact of the matter is that we're seeing this world more clearly than ever. That's one fundamental truth we can have. And why? Because for the first time, I would say in most of our lives, if not all of our lives, for most of us, all of our lives as a collective whole for sure, we're starting to understand Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. And with that comes Mark 422, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. But you can't achieve Mark 422, I would argue, unless you understand Luke 1019. And then once you understand Luke 1019 and you begin to appreciate the glory of stepping on snakes and scorpions, because we do have authority and dominion over this world, then enters John 1412. And the thing that happens, and I started with this, and I said, if you wanted to join us on Fridays for something amazing, please do. We begin to relearn that was that was fundamental to those of the ancients that understood very clearly that we have the power in our prayers, working with God to heal the sick. And from there, that means we can cast out demons. And from there, that means we can raise the dead and do greater works than he. And for those that doubt, join us on a Friday to hear the testimonies. Cancers being healed. People, this is not hands-on prayer. This is a collective group of people in different places around this nation, around the world, that on every Friday come together and pray for requests of prayer. And as we open our hearts to heaven and we put ourselves before there, raw and vulnerable, Father, hears our prayers. So we see healings happen. We see prayers answered. And we're really good at rationalizing things. There's a great story in one of our followers, and I love this. And they're not rationalizing it at all, but it is so easy for others to hear this to rationalize it. They came to us to tell us a story and ask for prayers because they were living in a small camper and the husband is working as a lineman. They're a wonderful family, by the way. And they're homeschooling. And in order, the reason they're living in a trailer is not because they're like living in a trailer. It's because they wanted to put the family in a place they could follow their dad and the husband as he went through his different places of work so they wouldn't be separated as a family. Because if you've ever known about the journeyman program in in being a lineman, they move you around regionally a lot. And they have a fifth baby on the way. So you just ask for prayers. What an amazing story. The prayers were heard in part because of the show or however, a distant family member reached over and helped them pay off some debt. And then they were they went and visited the trailer spot where they had the trailer place where they had bought their trailer before. Just on a whim because father had nudged and they went in and told them what they needed to do. There were some warranty issues on their trailer. Those were fixed immediately. And then they restructured a, a, a deal, which, as I was told, they didn't even really understand how they did it. And the next thing they know, Wednesday, they picked up their new trailer, and now they have enough room for their whole family. They're comfortable, and they're back doing great things. All of that tied, that moment tied to a prayer that we did on a Friday. We've had testimonies of people's cancer being healed. Healed. And again, we're not doing hands-on. We're just coming together with open hearts before Father. If that doesn't tell you the power, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me. So as we sit and we look at where we are right now in a country that is totally upside down, and we look at all of this torturous stuff that's going on, and it breaks my heart, and I weep truly before Father for the pain that's happening to these youth. It hurts my soul. 
youth that will not know a true childhood. I was blessed, as many of you were blessed, blessed to have two parents that loved me. I had the ability to do things I wanted to do. I had a range of places to play. We had acreage. I had a great childhood. And now I witness parents encouraging their children to mutilate themselves. I can't process that level of insanity. But I do know this. We have the authority over this evil. And I know this, that when Christ says, greater works than me, I know that in this point in time, we are going to need that belief and that trust in him because the demons that we confront have to be subdued. And we're gaining the optic and the picture and the clarity of what this world is actually doing because we're stepping away from their world and we're standing in the blessed land of kingdom and we're proclaiming it and it shows. The article we read earlier said, there is no Frodo among us who might faithfully handle the ring of power without succumbing to its poison, truth. But we're not asking for the ring of power. We're not asking for the position of that president. We're asking for a core healing in our nation. And there it is, because the Lord will help those who help themselves. That also falls on us. And that falls on us to believe, to believe in the greatness and the glory of what we've been given. Not to rebuke it, not to deny it, not to suggest that it's some crazy version of Scripture or some charismatic church. There's no charismatic in this. It's in red-letter language. And it's up to us to make a choice of whether you will step in and embrace and ask Father to guide you on those powers those blessings, that ability to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, to be a vehicle, a conveyor, a a conduit, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to do greater works than he, that's on you to ask. I don't have any question of asking. I I don't care who makes comments about it. I don't care if people rebuke it and try to say, oh, that's charismatic. No, it's not. It's Jesus. And if our Lord and Savior says that if I can believe in him, that the opportunity is there to do all of the works that he did and to do greater works than he, I'm all in, 100%. Because this is what I do know. This mess that we're in, this insanity that we're around, this horrific thing that we're happening with youth, the torturous things that are happening to people around this country, the brutal losses of of innocence that should not be happening. I know this. The only way through this is the Lord. And the only way we're going to make that happen is if we get our feet on the ground and we start looking to him to say, Lord, guide me, be with me, And let's make this evil go away. Thank you, Jesus. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we are humbled here today and blessed just to reflect on the beauty of our world in the midst of an amazing amount of struggle. We are witnessing some of the most horrific acts being done against the little ones. And so, Lord, I'm reaching tonight for anyone that will join me in this prayer, and I'm asking for this. Guide us and teach us the ways of all that you did and show us the door and ways to do greater works than you. We submit ourselves before you humbly, Jesus. We submit ourselves here understanding that we are flawed, we are imperfect, but our hearts are open 
and the pain that we feel and the suffering of these little ones is unmeasured. They need to be healed. They need to be shown the greater works. They need to be led to a way to appreciate that this is, we are working for a miraculous God, a living God, not some dead scripture God buried in the dead stones of walls that call themselves temples. Lord, we're praying for the the re-energizing of the Holy Spirit within each one of us and within our hearts to cast out our doubts or our hesitations because we've been told that we can't or it's crazy or we shouldn't, but instead step into that place to say, I can, I will, and I've been given the authority by my Lord and King. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And we say these things in your holy name. Amen. We have so much that we can do in this world. So much change we can make in so many positive ways. A sword of the spirit that we wield that is so mighty. It's incredible. You know, it's interesting how many Satanists and witches will say the same thing. They laugh at us because they know and they say, you have the greatest God but you have no idea what he's given you and you deny the powers and gifts he's provided for you. I'm not going to be one of those. Sorry, ain't playing that game. There is, our God gave us authorities. Our God gave us the blessings and the tools to cast out and defeat this evil mightily. There's nothing greater than our God, the Lord of hosts. That's the team I'm on. And I'm walking with Jesus. And it may take me the rest of my life to appreciate the depth of those words and then some. But they're on me every day. They're in my breath. They're in my walk. They're in my prayers. And whatever I need to do to humble myself before him, to open my heart deeper and to accomplish those things for others, to love thy neighbor that way, I'm in. And when you're in that way, there's no room for evil. It's going to run. And through that, we truly restore a nation in the proper way. A nation that understands the living and miraculous God. When you get to that place, no one's going to have any question. Who's on the throne? Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Patriots, I hope you all have a very blessed Saturday. Walk with Jesus. Be bold and talk to Father. I'll see you on Sunday night. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And I mean that. Sincerely thank every one of you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh, I want to feel something